Welcome to the Neon Noise Podcast, your home for learning ways to attract more traffic to your website, generate more leads, convert more leads into customers, and build stronger relationships with your customers. And now your hosts, Justin Johnson and Ken Franzen. Hey, Neon Noise Nation. Welcome to the Neon Noise Podcast, where we decode marketing and sales topics to help you grow your business. I am Justin, and with me, I have my co-host, Mr. Ken Franzen. What is going on today, Ken? Not too much, Justin. How are you doing today? I am doing pretty good. No complaints. I'm excited to chat with our featured guest. Today we have on Tim Furlong. He's a nationally recognized speaker, facilitator, and executive coach. Tim Tim has a unique brand of edutainment that have impacted nearly every type of organization for nearly two decades. Tim is also the author of the book Quarter Turns and the creator and founder of Quarter Turns Coaching Program, which enables leaders in any industry to identify small shifts in approach and behavior that yield highly impactful, sustainable results. From CEOs of Fortune 500 companies to platinum-selling recording artists, Tim's coaching and training programs have empowered thousands of individuals and organizations to achieve at their highest levels. Tim, thank you for being on Nian Noise. Welcome. Thank you, Justin. Man, that that was a mouthful there. That was a lot, right? (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Hey, uh, do me a favor and uh, tell us a little bit about a little background about you. Fill any blanks that I may have missed. Sure, sure. Well, you know, uh, I actually got my start doing what I do as a touring musician. I was a lead singer in a band. And it's interesting because I was just at a conference the other day and, and, you know, I, I said that. And people always want to know what the name of my band was. And if you really think hard about that, and, you know, you could probably too. If you knew the name of my band, Justin, we wouldn't be doing this podcast today. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> Love it. But, uh, you know, that was a good kind of pre-qualifier because after that, I went into sales. Uh, and was pretty good at sales. Actually, you know, I always tell people being a musician probably trains you for sales better than anything else because you, you learn to handle rejection really well as, as a musician. And that prepared you for sales and uh, (laughs) had a a knack for sales, was good at it and got asked to do some sales training and sales coaching by the organization I was with and kind of just led into a brand new business. I started getting asked by more and more organizations to come do a sales training, uh, to do coaching. And then that led to speaking. And then I partnered with uh, my sister back in the early 2000s who had an organizational development and training background and launched a small consulting company based in Las Vegas that's still in existence today called the Simmons Group. And so we do trainings all throughout the country. And then I do speaking and obviously coaching uh, and Quarter Turns is my brand. Quarter Turns. Awesome. So what was the band name? You got to tell us. <laughs> the, I told you, if you knew the name of the band, you're not going to know it, right? But uh, <laughs> you know, back back in the day, it was called Something Wild. And actually, I, I spoke at a conference here in my hometown of Ann Arbor, Michigan. And the, for the first time in probably years, somebody said, were you in a band called Something Wild? And I thought that was really it kind of threw me for a loop because no one knows it, right? Love. So it was pretty interesting. <laughs> That's actually so they recognized you. We, we came up with our our company name was uh, Ken's Ken's name Ken's band name back in the day Neon Goldfish. Well, yeah, the band that never played. I think that Tim might have made an appearance on stage at some point. I love it. 
my my band was the extent was uh, drinking beer and playing with guitars while watching the Red Wings in the playoffs. So <laughs> what's what's wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing at all. We had an audience of zero. They loved us. I love it. <laughs> it's great. So Tim, I have to ask you. You got your book, uh, Quarter Turns, Small Shifts, Big Impact. Tell us a little bit about what is uh, a quarter turn because you had me curious. Well, so the whole concept of quarter turns actually comes from my dad. Uh, we call my dad Fuzz, and I don't know why we call him Fuzz. We just do. When I was growing up, he'd tell me, you know, Tim, you got to tighten up your chin strap a little bit, right? And as I got older, he told me, yeah, Tim, you're doing pretty well, but tighten it up one quarter turn. And that's kind of a philosophy I've taken into my business and my approach on coaching is that, you know, I think as human beings, um, we're not designed for radical reinvention. And, you know, a lot of people attend conferences or read books or go to trainings and, you know, they read it and they get all excited and they go, okay, this is the day I'm going to make those radical changes. And, and the example I give is, you know, have you ever made a New Year's resolution? And generally when people make New Year's resolutions, they attempt to, you know, completely change their life. You know, I'm going to work out seven days a week at 5 a.m. for four hours or, you know, I'm going to quit eating chocolate or I'm going to do this or do that. And, and the problem with that is it's just not sustainable, right? We, we go hard charging into these changes. And then within a week or, you know, even sometimes a few days, we just go back to what we know. We're creatures of habit. We do what we've always done. Easy example of that is, you know, have you ever like left your workplace, right? You drive home from work, pull into your driveway, and then you have no idea how you got there. <laughs> You're just like, right. whoa, how'd that happen? Because <laughs> we just do the same thing over and over again. And so, you know, and I've attempted to make those radical adjustments. And the problem is, even if I get a good result, it's just so hard to sustain because we just want to go back to those habits and routines that are comfortable for us. Right. And so that kind of caused me to use this idea around quarter turns. And, and so when I work with you either in a one-on-one -on -one setting or a large conference, like I speak at, or just even a small facilitation, I'm not asking you to make massive changes. I'm not asking you to radically reinvent your life. And, and, you know, I work with high performers for a living so I, there's no reason to make radical changes, right? It's, it's finding those little adjustments in the way you communicate, in, in the way you handle your relationships, in the way you handle your business, in the way you lead your teams. Those little adjustments can have a huge impact. And, and what I've learned is that if it's easy to do and you get a big impact, well, then you're probably going to keep doing it. And if you sure. keep doing it, over time, it becomes a new habit. And that's really what creates sustainable and meaningful change in your life. And so that's kind of, you know, my philosophy and that's the idea around the book and pretty much everything I do is branded around that quarter turns concept. And it, you know, it seems to resonate with people because it's simple and look, I, yeah. I'm not that smart, right? I, if it's too complicated, <laughs> I'm not going to do it, right? It's got to be something I can use and apply immediately. Or I'm just not going to be able to do it. Sure. Sure. So who, who would the quarter turns philosophy, who, who does that best apply to? Is it, uh, is it salespeople? Is it business owners? Is it uh, you and I with our new year's resolution? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I phrased my experiments this year just so that they'd be, yeah. He, uh, he, you had some experiments that you were doing that how, how's yeah. that going for you, by the way, I don't think we've Good. talked about that in a while. We haven't talked about it. So I did my one, uh, my one experiment, which was this, uh, this, this challenge and that, that went well. Um, did I win it? No, I didn't win it. Uh, you could have done better. It's good. But I, I completed it. And then my second challenge is, is running the, uh, 
the Detroit half marathon in October. And uh, I've been training for that. So we need some quarter turns for that. (laughs) What's that? I said, we need some quarter turns for that. Oh my gosh. I think we need, uh, what, what (laughs) is there a smaller, is there a smaller denomination than a quarter turn, Tim? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm kind of glad you asked that question, Ken, because you know, it, it, it's not necessarily a strategy that applies to one area and, and one discipline, right? Anyone can apply a quarter turn, whether you're a kid in high school or a kid in college or someone just entering the business world, or you're a CEO of a big company, right? It doesn't really matter what it is. It's more about identifying what those shifts can be that are going to have an impact. And and that's really kind of, I think, the value around quarter turns is it it doesn't matter what you do, you know, you, and you really, you can apply them in work, you can apply them outside of work. And, and I'm a big believer that if so many people tell me, well, Tim, you know, this is work and this is not work and I draw the line and, you know, they're, t- they're different things. And I always call BS on that, right? Belief system. Okay. Mm-hmm. Belief system. <laughs> <laughs> That's not where I was going. With that, <laughs> it's a PG-13 show, so I keep it that way. But, but you know, the, the thing is, is, you know, what happens in the workplace if things aren't going well, that's going to impact your life outside the workplace, right? And if things, if right. you're struggling outside the workplace, that's going to seep into the workplace, you know? And, and what I tell people is you're only one person. You're not two different people. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, everything impacts everything. So if we can, you know, apply a quarter turn somewhere outside the workplace and it has an impact, that's going to impact your workplace by default, right? So that's really kind of how I look at it. So it doesn't matter if you're in sales. It doesn't matter if you're in leadership. It doesn't matter if you're a, you know, a stay-at-home mom or dad, which I've coached both. Right? It's it's about finding those little areas where you can have an impact, and then applying it, and seeing if you can move the needle a little bit. And that's what's exciting for me is people ask what I do, you know, and I help people get what they want. And the hard part is people really, if you ask them have a hard time answering that question. You know, what is it you really want? What do you want to gain? What do you want to achieve? Once you get past the obvious, once you get past, oh, I want more money or a big house or a cool car or this or that. Once you get past those obvious things, very few people can tell me really what they want. And that doesn't matter how much you've achieved in your business life. Those people still struggle just as much as somebody just entering the workforce because they haven't gotten present enough to figure out what's important to them. And that's really the goal behind this program is to get you present enough to figure out who you are, what's important to you, and then put some serious clarity around what you want to do and then how to get there. That makes sense. Sure. Totally. Absolutely. Now, what, what, how do you approach the individual who is anxious to get to the end result <laughs> very quickly? Because a quarter turns sounds like they're effective because they're small adjustments that are, they're attainable goals that they're, they're not this radical change, but you, you're into that individual who says that's great, but I need uh, to be able to leap uh, from one building to the next tomorrow. <laughs> how do you manage that individual? You, you- pretty much described everyone that's a high achiever, right? That's, that's what <laughs> I want it. I want it right now. And, and, you know, the reality of it is it doesn't take forever, right? It's not like this is a grueling three-year process, uh, but how quickly somebody gets to that point, it's really up to them. It's not up to me. It's not up to any program. It's not up to anything you read or look at. It's about how willing are you to look at yourself, be honest, you know, open yourself up, to the idea that maybe some of the behaviors and patterns that you're using and you've been using 
maybe aren't working for you, right? That's what's exciting is like, if, if you have something you're doing and it's working for you, then let's not mess with that, right? That's working. That's cool. Maybe we yeah. can take that and bump that up a couple notches and get really even more exceptional at that. But if there's an area where you feel like, man, I know I can do better, or I know that this is an area that I want to, you know, do, get some traction on. Once we zero in on that and vet it out and pull it out and really think about it, high performers love that. Once you get a specific problem, high achievers just go right into, into focus and say, all right, let's go get it done. It's the hard part is actually identifying what it is. And once you do it, man, you can do some great stuff. And, you know, that's not super 10,000 foot view stuff. That's real world stuff. That's not a theory or an idea. Once you get clear on what you want, your brain just goes into into motion to figure out how to do it. It's it's kind of like, have you ever been driving home from work and you hear a song on the radio and you're like, oh man, I love that song. It's an awesome song. I love it. But you can't remember who sings it. It stresses you out. You get all frustrated. And finally, you just give up. You ever have that happen? Yeah. And then like two days later, you're having lunch. I got it. It's Def Leppard. Right. <laughs> your, your brain likes a specific problem. And if you don't have a specific problem or a specific task, your brain doesn't go into work. And, and that you know thing I just shared with you, even when you stop thinking about the problem that you want to solve consciously, subconsciously, you're just going into hyperdrive to figure out how to get there. And it's a really interesting process once you get it working for you, right? Once you decide what it is you want, what's important, what are the problems you need to solve to get there, the how presents itself every time once you figure out the what. Interesting. I've, I've read where some people like to ponder problem solving before they go to bed with mm -hmm. the idea of letting their subconscious sleep state help them work through the problems. And I, I would guess that they seem to find they magically wake up with the answer. I don't know if it's that crystal clear, but it sounds similar. Am I, am I right? You're kind of on the right path. And there's been books written about this. Some of you may have heard of that book called The Secret. I don't think it's a secret, right? And there's some really hard science to back this stuff up now, right? Every second, there's about 4 billion bits of information coming at us. The human eye can only take in about 200,000 of that. And consciously, your brain can only hold on to about 50 pieces of information at any given time. And so what that means is what you load up your brain with, what you start thinking about consciously that's kind of where you're start going to go. Your brain is looking to prove in the external world what you believe in the internal world. And here's the thing, and this is what's I think the biggest quarter trend that people can learn, is very few people can tell me what they want in their lives and their businesses and their relationships. But you know what they're absolutely crystal clear on? What's that? What they don't want. <laughs> <laughs> everybody can list off alphabetically chronologically everything they don't want or everything that they're not good at or everything that they feel like they're not getting and the problem is your brain does not understand the difference that's one of those 50 bits of information that your brain is focusing on and it doesn't know the difference between what you want and what you don't want it just knows what you focus on and it's really interesting the data coming in on this and look i'm not a neuroscientist or anything like that i just like reading about this kind of stuff all right. And they've learned more about our brains in the past three years than they have in the past 300 years. And it's just really kind of an interesting process. I mean, that's a big difference between high performers and everyone else. They just are crystal clear on what they want and they will not accept no for an answer and they will not allow those obstacles to get in their way. Yeah. 
So with that, you make it sound like uh, the these high achievers uh, are more goal oriented and what they do want versus what they their focus is on what they don't want. Mm-hmm. Well, so goal setting, I guess that that I mean, it's, I think it's something that we all say we do, but <laughs> I, I don't know that we all do it, do we? I mean, do, it, do, you, do you find that most people that you work with properly set goals? You know, it's the most talked about thing in achievement and development and it's probably the least practiced everybody knows it works but very few people do it and and in fact people say oh yeah you know i used to kind of use goals but i don't do it anymore because we get so busy and we start filling up our lives with busy work and we start telling ourselves oh i'm so busy i'm so busy i'll get to it and the great part about it is when you get clear on what you want you think about it you write it down and then more importantly you actually have someone holding you accountable to it yeah if you get that kind of clarity around what you want, you virtually will guarantee that what it is you wanted to have happen will happen, right? But the thing is, if you don't believe it's possible internally, it doesn't matter what you say. You can say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. But if internally you're like, nah, it's not happening, guess what? Internal always wins because that's kind of what you're projecting out there. It's kind of an interesting process. And we would talk about it for a week if we wanted to, but it's just part of the process, right? This isn't just a goal-setting exercise there's much more to it once you get past that idea but you know once you get aware of who you are how you show up what's important and get some clarity man the rest of the whole process is a lot easier sure okay yeah i, I look at my goals sometimes and I, I say okay these are great and you know i say i'm really just fooling myself the the goals <laughs> i have written down here probably aren't as as elaborate or as good as they could be so i could see how I think even the accountability point would really help and just having someone hold your feet to the fire, because I think that's something a step most probably don't take is, Hey, this is something I'm focused on accomplishing here in you know 2017. For my instance, this is running a half marathon and uh, the first I've ever ran is a 5k and me announcing it on this podcast. It's kind of the accountability. <laughs> oh, it's accountable now, my wow, friend. That's, People that's are going to be asking you about it. When October rolls around and I don't do this, if I don't do this or I don't prepare well and I die and you guys read my obituary, um, you know I didn't uh, fulfill my goals. So oh, no, that's good. That's kind of interesting. But, you know, what you said is perfect. When you throw it out there into the world, now you got all kinds of people that are emailing you, texting you. Hey, Kenny, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. And it causes you to decide is do you really want to do it? Or B, it also causes you to decide, is that really my goal? Because a lot people a lot of times kid themselves and they have these goals that they think they're supposed to have, that they think they're supposed to want, but really they're somebody else's goals. And going through this process really kind of vets that out to say, you know what, that's not really what I want. Maybe that's what I wanted five years ago or 10 years ago, but that's not you know, what I want today. And that's really an empowering thing too, is to get rid of all that baggage of, you know, I've always said I wanted to do this, or I should do that, or I should do this, or I need to, or I should, or I should. And I, when people start shooting, I say they're shooting all over themselves and everybody else, right? <laughs> shooting does not work when it comes to doing something I amazing. <laughs> there you go. Justin is going to use that little nugget again. I'm sure I'll do that. Go ahead, steal it. Take it. Do, you, do what you will with it. Tim, you mentioned core values in your in your book, and I wanted to really because I think and everyone's like, oh yeah, core value. I, I kind of get it. Can you touch a little bit on exactly what a core value is, and uh, why is it important that we understand what our core values are? So as I was bringing it up, I talked about getting present and aware, 
of kind of who you are and what you stand for. And when I talk about values, what I really mean is what is your brand, right? We all have favorite brands that we, you know, frequent that we like. I'm personally a huge Starbucks fan, right? I love going to Starbucks. And the thing is, it's not because I think the coffee is that much better, right? The coffee is the coffee. I can get that coffee anywhere. What I like about Starbucks and their brand is how I feel when I leave Starbucks, right? I feel, I feel better, right? And that's a brand that I'm willing to pay extra for. And I know that I, I value it because of it. And I'll seek it out. I'll, you know, I'll look for it wherever I'm at just so I can have that. When I talk about your personal values or your brand, I would ask you, you know, what type of an experience do you create for people when you come into contact with them, right? And as a result of those interactions, do people feel better or do they feel worse, right? Do, do you know somebody right now that when their caller ID shows up on your phone, you're like, oh God, no, do I got to deal with that person? <laughs> That's yeah. what their brand is for you, right? They've created a brand for you. And I ask, you know, are you that person for somebody right now when you call them or you text them or like, oh God, do I really have to talk to Ken? I got to deal with these guys again. I talked to Justin. Oh man, really? That's, that's a brand that you've created. And when you get crystal clear on what your brand is and what you stand for, what do you value? What's important to you? Then it makes some of these tougher decisions easier. And, and a lot of people say, well, Tim, I don't even know what my brand is. The problem with that sort of thinking is everyone else has already decided what your brand is right? Based on their experience with you, they've already got an idea of what they believe you stand for. And if you do have an idea of what your brand is, I would ask you if I interviewed everybody around you, if I interviewed your team, if I interviewed your family, your friends, your spouse, your coworkers, would they agree? Would they say, yeah, that's absolutely Ken's brand? Or would they say, hmm, not so much, <laughs> right? I don't really agree with that. Sure. So just getting that clarity on kind of who you are and what you're about is very powerful because that then sets that anchor for you to decide where you want to go and more importantly, how you want to do it. So a good example is I coached a, a CEO who, you know, his whole goal in life was to become the leader of this big company and he did it. The problem is in order to get there, he felt like he had to sacrifice so much of his brand and his values that when he got there, it wasn't what he thought it was. Right. And, and he had, you know, sacrificed his relationship with his wife and his family. He'd become this type of a leader that was super hardcore and he kind of burned and churned through people. But he got that goal, you know, he made the CEO. Conversely, I've coached another gentleman who achieved the same level of success, right? Another major company you've heard of. And yet he didn't sacrifice any of his brand to get there. And I can tell you, for him, getting to that kind of mountaintop was absolutely so much more rewarding and so fulfilling because he had everything he wanted. He still had his family intact. He, he had this team that was willing to die for him versus a team that was slowly dying under him. And he created this really great culture that is still thriving today. I mean, that's, that's kind of how powerful it is when you know what your brand is and what you're unwilling to negotiate. That makes sense? Sure. So mm. it's really... The deciding or understanding what what you're all about, what really matters, and seeing if that's what you're projecting in your everyday actions. Yeah, okay. and if not, what are you going to do to change it? Right. If your brand is, you know, integrity and you know serving my my customers to blowing them away. Well, are you behaving consistently every day in a way that supports that, 
or are you cutting corners and doing things that doesn't support that? Right. Because, you know, you can't say one thing and then be another, because that's a violation of your yeah. value. And the thing, the reason you know it's a value is when you're, when something happens and it just kind of rubs you the wrong way. That's generally because something that has happened in that interaction is a direct violation of who you are and what you stand for, you know, and, and getting clear on that really helps you. It doesn't make it easier to deal with that stuff, but at least it helps you understand why this person rubs you the wrong way or that person, what they said or, or that, you know, decision that was made by a higher up has really kind of caused some internal friction for you, right? Because once you get clear on the why, well, then you can develop a strategy on how you're going to deal with it. Sure. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, you start to look in, <laughs> internally and say, okay, I, you know, motor my core values and, and do I, do I practice what I, I feel, I guess, is that the proper phrase? Practice what I feel? Yeah, practice pretty much. What I, my practice what I believe in. Right. And, yeah. and that's, you know, again, this all sounds 10,000 foot view stuff. The actual process to kind of do this. I mean, I've developed over trial and error over the past, you know, 20 years of doing it to come up with a system that really helps people kind of get in tune with that. And some people get there very quickly and some people it takes a while to crack through the outer shell and figure that out. And so, you know, that's why I enjoy one-on-one -on -one work so much because everyone's different, right? You know, you two are different in your way that you want to run your businesses and your companies. Uh, your families are different. The people that work for you are different. When you can work one-on-one -on -one with somebody, it's really, it, it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's, it's much more efficiently. We can get right to the core of what some of those challenges are and we can apply some small things that help kind of manage through that. And you see immediately results. And that's what you talked about. Boy, does this take forever? It doesn't take forever if you're willing right. to do the work. <clears throat> if you just think you're just going to phone it in and be like, Oh yeah, you know, whatever, you know, good luck with that. Right. <laughs> sure. right. Just like anything, right. You got to kind yeah. of dive into it. Now you also have uh, the, I'm just going to bring this up, intention versus impact. And this is a really interesting uh, comparison that uh, you reference and, and one that I think we definitely should touch on. Talk to us a little bit about the difference between uh, intention and impact. Well, one of the things I really you know believe in when I'm coaching people is, hey, let's get intentional about what you want where you're doing, how you're spending your time, who you're spending your time with, and really get intentional about that. But as human beings, what I believe, and I'm sure others do too, is that we're probably living, breathing double standards in that we have our intentions, but then we have the impact of those intentions. And I'll kind of give you an example. So let's assume that, you know, I make a decision uh, and I do my due, due diligence, I do my homework, and I make a good decision based on what I believe is going to be best for my company or my life or, or people around me, right? And I have really good intentions going into that decision, right? I have good intentions. Sometimes, and you can probably attest to this, both of you, isn't it true that you make these decisions with good intentions, but they negatively impact certain people, either in your company or customers or clients or somebody? Does that ever happen? Of course. Right. So in that moment, if you're honest, do you judge yourself based on the good intentions you had going into it or the impact you had on those people? What would you say? I would say the intentions we had. Yeah, because we know our good intentions, right? We live our, in our intentions, right? And even if you feel bad, you might say, hey, you know, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. This was my intention, right? 
And so here's the, here's the challenge with that. Let's assume someone does the same thing to you, right? <laughs> or someone does the same thing to me, right? You make a good decision based on your good intention and it negatively impacts me. Do I even care about your good intentions in nope. that moment? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. No, I'm too busy being pissed off about the right. impact, right? And, and here's the thing that I've learned over the years is that people don't care about your good intentions, right? And, and if you want to lead an organization or, or build a great life with your family or people around you, throw your good intentions out the window. I, I assume that you have good intentions. I have to. If you genuinely don't have good intentions, right? If you genuinely like hurting people and throwing people under the bus, there's a whole nother program that you can subscribe to, right? <laughs> That's a whole different program. Sure. But, you know, the, the intention, yeah, I assume the good intention, but what is the impact of those good intentions? And is it the impact you want? And, and one thing I've learned in being able to work with high achievers and high performers is they're 100% dialed into the impact. They just know that this is what they want to have happen and that's the impact they want. And they do everything they can to ensure that that's the impact they're going to have. It doesn't always work out, but they think impact first. And, and so that's why I talk about intention and impact a lot. And that's why, you know, if I'm coaching you, I'm going to challenge you. Hey, let's get intentional, but let's make sure that those intentions match up with the impact we want. And it's really an interesting topic. I mean, you guys are touching on some good stuff and <laughs> yeah, obviously I <laughs> I talk for a living. I could talk all day long about this stuff. It, it's interesting. I ran into um, an old teacher of mine because, uh, you know, my kids are getting older, but I ran into a teacher and I was speaking at a conference and I used to always get in trouble for talking too much in class, right? <laughs> it's like something that would happen. And the, my grades are always like, Tim's really smart. He does a great job. He just talks too much. And I would, you know, I would have to stand for recess and write papers about I shouldn't talk so much. I shouldn't talk so much. And I ran into one of those teachers that really used to give me a hard time at a conference that they were attending and I spoke at. And I went over to him and I, I couldn't resist. I said, hey, that, that, that speaking thing, that talking too much, it's kind of worked out for me. <laughs> I'm doing all right with that. <laughs> what, was, what was the response? Just kind of a funny look. I don't even know that they remembered how much they would get get on my case for talking so much. Sure. But you know, I was having fun with it. I like to have fun. And by the way, that's one of my core values and part of my brand. One of them is fun. I absolutely am going to have fun every day. And some days it's harder than others. Sure. But I'm just going to do that, right? I'm going to have some fun and make it fun for people I work with. And, and we deal with some touchy topics and some challenging topics. But there's always an opportunity to smile, have a little fun, and and enjoy yourself, Very right? Good. Yeah, I think that the days you can smile and have fun are more more enjoyable than the ones where you don't. So, I well, I, I'm asked to go in organizations. I walk through the building. I can see there's not a whole lot of fun going on. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> now, Tim, you do quite a few conferences that you speak at. Uh, how many would you say that you do in a year's time? Gosh, well, I'm on the road about 200 days a year. So I, if I, if I go back to my musician days, I, I tell people I'm still a touring musician, right? The only difference, you know, they, they give me a mic and they give me a stage. And the other day, there's probably 300 people in the audience. Uh, the only difference that I tell people is there's, I actually get paid now. You never got paid as a musician. <laughs> Big benefit but, to that one there. But, um, you know, so I'm on the road a, a bunch and, you know, it could just be a, a small leadership group, a group of, you know, executives or senior leaders. And that could be a group as small as, you know, five or 10 or 15 or 20, 
or it could be a large, you know, conference that you might attend. Uh, I might be a keynote or a breakout speaker. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I'm fortunate and then I get to do what I'm passionate about. And then obviously I do a lot of one-on-one coaching right now. I'm coaching about 25 senior level executive salespeople. Um, I still have a soft spot for sales and I still coach salespeople cause I just, you know, I enjoy that. So. Now you coach, you coach or you help people with presenting their presentation skills as well. Am I oh, yeah. correct? Yeah. All in right. fact, just yesterday I was with a government affairs individual and we were working on presentation because this person is responsible for helping his uh, board members of his company go and present to Congress members and attempt to get some of their legislative initiatives passed. So spent an entire intensive day on what I call presentation boot camp, which is something I'm super passionate about. And, uh, you know, I, I've been performing in public now, uh, for over 30 years, uh, in, in started with my band and kind of moved through that and then moved into, you know, training and speaking. And it's really been nonstop. And, and I can tell you in, in, in that time, I have made every mistake you can possibly make in front of a large audience, right? You name it, Nailed it. I have done it. Yeah, I've face planted in front of 5,000 people, right? <laughs> so, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a fun one. Or I yeah. almost knocked myself out with a microphone one time in front of that same group of 5,000 people. Punched myself in the face with a microphone. I could taste blood in my mouth, right? <laughs> Was this at the same, same like back to back occurrences or two different it was a, it was, it was a similar venue, but it was within about the same week or two. It was one of those weeks where things just weren't working out, but, uh, that was, <laughs> that was interesting. But, you know, beyond that, I've had things break, you know, nothing, something doesn't work. Um, I've been, you know, late, I've shown up an hour late for my own presentation. Nice. You ever yeah. done that? not something i recommend that's a mistake sure. i only will make once right sure, sure. Uh, you name it i've probably made that mistake and in, in uh, about 10 years ago one of my clients said hey our executive team went to a conference this past week and they were just atrocious and i'm wondering you know we like the way you present to us do you have some sort of a course that you can train us on around presentation and you know, at the time I didn't, but of course I said, sure I do. <laughs> and it forced me to sit down and trace back kind of my path and come up with, you know, the steps that create a really great presentation. And it's led me to a new product I want to launch called Present Like a Pro. And I'm, I'm real excited about it because it can be an online thing. I don't have to come visit your company. Um, I'm happy to do that if you want me to come do that for your company. But um you know, this is something that anybody can subscribe to and, you know, within a few hours and some videos and just kind of a little practice, the, the commitment I make to you is that your next presentation is going to be night and day better than the one you just gave. And that's something that I'm really excited about because you know what the number one fear of most Americans is, right? Waking up. <laughs> Uh, no, I know. I, I'm going to guess public speaking, right? Of course it's public speaking by far. And that probably doesn't surprise either of you. What surprises me is what the number two fear of most Americans is, which is death. <laughs> okay. Now, statistically speaking, more people would rather be, be in the coffin, right? They'd, be, they'd rather... Yeah, they'd rather be the subject of the eulogy than have That's to present awesome. the eulogy. <laughs> Unbelievable. So... You know, and, and obviously that's, 
I, I think when people really think about it, that's not the case, but people really have a huge deep seated fear of that. And, and the goal of this is to, whether you're a, a you know, a beginner, you know, just kind of getting up there or you're someone that's kind of a seasoned pro is to give you some, you know, you know what I call them quarter turns, little tips, things that you can apply that are going to instantly make your presentation better and give you a little more confidence to go up there and, and be great. And I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to turn you into Tony Robbins in a couple of hours, but but we can certainly spend a little time with you to help you improve whatever it is you do and, and get better at it. Sure. I'm really passionate about that. So, Tim, the the, the course sounds exciting, uh, something that uh, someone can can go through and, and follow along in the convenience of their own time. It, but is this focused on, on just executives or people speaking at conferences? I mean, where's the benefit? Cause I think that, I don't know. I, I know that I present, uh, I guess if you really think hard enough about it, I, I present constantly all the time, when, you know, on Monday mornings in front of our staff meetings, I'm, I, I guess I'm presenting. Um, so who would be a good, uh, candidate for, for your course? Is it, is it just limited to the executives or can you think of other uses? Absolutely not. And, you know, if you think about what you do all day, whether in business or your life, you're constantly communicating, right? That's what we do. That's what we do. We always have to communicate phone, email, text, or face to face. We're communicating. And if you really, you know, think about what a great presentation is, it's being able to effectively convey your message to people in an engaging way that allows you to make a connection with them. And more importantly, causes them to leave that interaction and actually take action, right? So if you think about your situation and just having a weekly conversation with your team about what's going on in the workplace and what you're doing, well, that's not necessarily a massive presentation in front of a huge audience with a microphone and a PowerPoint slide. But let me ask you, do you think it's important to effectively communicate your message to them? Yes or no? Well, absolutely, because if it's—I I mean, if my message is not received, then it's a giant waste yeah. of time, and we exactly. might as well forego the meeting. And, and do you think it's important to kind of connect with them at that level? That's going to cause them to take in what it is you're sharing absolutely. with them. Yes sure. or no? Sure. <laughs> and, and and finally, probably most importantly, isn't it kind of important that when they leave that interaction, they go take yeah. some action? <laughs> they, yeah, exactly. yeah. better be to take action. Otherwise, we've got bigger so, problems to worry about. So to answer your question, what makes people great at presenting, whether it's a large audience or small, are the same concepts. So this is just as effective if I'm sitting across the table from you in a one-on-one -on -one conversation or there's 500 of you in the room. And I think there's where people get in their heads about presenting. They're like, oh, my God, they, it's the sheer number of eyes looking at them that completely blow them up. And, and a lot of what I get people to think about is imagine that you're just having a conversation with somebody in your office or a friend of yours, how would you do that? And they always want to say, oh, no, I, I want to be this way. Or I want to be that way. And here's what I will share with you. Uh, have you ever seen a, a movie with really bad acting? Have you ever seen that? Yeah, <laughs> like it, you see it and you just know it's not believable. And the acting is awful. You want to know why you know it's awful? Because being a good actor is really hard. Okay. <laughs> there's not that many of them out there right so acting is hard and the, the thing that i share with people is you're not a trained actor or actress so for you to think you can get up in front of a large group of people and be something you're not yeah. good luck with that right that's never going to work and and you know when someone's not being genuine 
just at the conference I was at the other day, there was a guy and he was the keynote and he was up there kind of giving his speech like he was selling you a car and checking it out. And hey, have you had it done like this? And have you done like that? I'm like, really? It's so hard to connect with that because I believe Mm -hmm. that that's canned and it's not genuine. I think he had a good message. And I think ultimately he's probably a good presenter, but no one's bothering to give him his feedback that he's coming across like Slick Rick trying to sell me a timeshare or a car, right? And, you know, most people don't get that feedback. And, you know, it's a shame because it is a good message, but you give it over and over and over again, and it's easy to make it sound kind of canned, right? So, So is... But is it you think about public speaking and you get this idea in your head and you get this large group? So, so what you're stating because I, yeah, if I was looking at I'm going to go in front of a group of 5,000, I, I would think in my brain that I need to have some level of showmanship or acting <laughs> that uh, I need to present. And, and I guess what you're saying is I should, I shouldn't approach that any differently than in, we're talking well, to you right now. Yeah, there are some mannerisms we can share with you. Everything is a little bit bigger and you're probably going to have to slow down a little bit. But here's the thing, you know, if you're not a trained performer and you haven't been on stage in front of a lot of people, then for you to think no matter how much prep you do to get up there and be something that is completely different than what you normally do, how easy do you think that's going to be for you to do, especially in front of 500 or 5,000 people looking at you? Right. Sure. (laughs) Whereas... When you can learn to kind of be yourself and be in that moment by being yourself, then you don't have to fake anything. Then it's just about let's focus on your content and your message and what it is you want to convey versus you being something you're not, right? Unless you're a trained actor or actress and you're comfortable with that, I think you got a better shot of connecting. And that's the most important thing. If you don't connect with somebody, then it doesn't matter how great your message is. So you got a much better shot of connecting by being yourself than you do being any other version of yourself and you don't have to fake it. (laughs) And believe me, people's fake it meter and things that are disingenuine is on super high demand right now. People just know, do you know when you see someone up there and they're just not genuine? Do you you know that? Sure. Of course you do. And so to fake, it's just too hard. And you know, and you don't have that long Mm -hmm. to connect either. That's the problem, right? A lot of people ease into their presentation. I think the biggest mistake people make is they come on so weak. They're like, Oh, hi, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Tim. Um, hey, you know, today you want to talk about this. You know, it's funny, accounting people do this all the time. And we're going to talk about accounting. I know everyone, no one wants to talk about that, but I'm the boring guy. And they're like, really? You just announced that. Way to go. <laughs> you know, you got about 30 seconds to a minute to get someone's attention anymore. And, and here's my new statistic. However long you're willing to wait on your computer screen or your smartphone, when you click on a website and the little spinny thing is downloading it, I don't even know what you call a spinny thing, whatever that is. However long you're willing to wait on that before you get frustrated and click away, that's your yeah. attention span right now. Sure. And so for most people, Not what, even. 30 seconds, a minute, two tops, no if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you don't, if you don't do something right away to have me put down my smartphone and engage me yeah. right off the bat, then good luck with that. And, and you don't have to be something you're not. You just have to have a technique that's going to suck people in right off the bat. And there's where, you know, a lot of the present like a pro work can come in is how do you start strong, you know, engage your audience, be yourself, get comfortable, and then in strong. I, I mean, look, I told you I was a touring musician. I think a good presentation is a lot like a rock and roll concert. You know, and people always say, what are you talking about? 
How does your favorite band come out? Do they come out with a whimper? Do they just walk up and say, hi, how you doing? Yeah. No. They got the lights go down. Explosions are happening. You know, you know that something cool is going to happen. Then, once they got your attention, then guess what they do? They play all their new material, which nobody cares about and right. no one pays attention to anyway. <laughs> right? <laughs> so you can, do, you can do whatever you want in the middle, good, bad, poor, sad. Hopefully it's good, but it doesn't have to be. But then how does your favorite band always end? With the best songs. Yeah. The best stuff. We're going to have fireworks going off in our office on Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> but then you leave going, man, that was awesome. And you want to go buy the t-shirt yeah. and go to the next one. And so, and I would say the ending is your final chance, right? You can screw up everything. You can screw up your intro. You can screw up your middle part. You can screw up everything. As long as you end strong and say something great and compelling right at the end that kind of ties it all together and causes me to leave wanting to do something or take action. That's, you know, that's your final opportunity. And, and so many people blow it right there. They're just cranking along and then they just, okay, any questions? And you're like, what? <laughs> so what are, what are some, what are some common mistakes? I think we've all had, now we've identified, we we've all presented and there's different venues or sizes of audience, but what are some of the most common mistakes you see individuals making when they're, they're presenting or speaking in public? Well, I already gave you that first one, and, and, and that first one is come out strong. And okay. the thing is, is a lot of people don't, uh, you know, because a lot of times you're not, it's not like you're coming from backstage. You're already sitting there in the audience, or you're kind of somewhere where people kind of know you're coming on. So people are already making their assumptions about you just based on that first glance. So, you know, how, how do you look right then and there? Are you kind of looking shy? Are you looking frazzled? Are you on your phone the whole time? Or do you look present engaged? So people have already decided for you at some point before you even come onto the stage. So there's an opportunity for you right there to build some goodwill. So just, you know, coming out strong. Uh, I think the other mistake that people make is they don't really have a compelling message, right? They don't really have any sort of compelling why as to why they're actually giving this presentation. And I think that that more than anything else throws people for a loop. You know, most people, this is how they build their presentation. They create a bunch of slides and then they add in the message later. And look, that leads me to my third thing is death by PowerPoint. Have you been to one of those lately? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have you delivered one of those lately, guys? Well, I mean, not yeah. The, yeah, I can't say a lie. I've had some PowerPoint presentations that I've kind of sat there and like, wow, I'm just reading this off to really this person excited about and this. they can read. So this is <laughs> yes. Like the thing about it is nobody ever leaves a presentation saying, man, those were great nope. PowerPoint <laughs> slides. Nobody. <laughs> they don't. And, and so the thing about that I would challenge you with is create your presentation. Know what your points are first. What is it you, what do you want me to walk away with? People on average will remember two or three things about your presentation. That's it. So what are they? Do you know what they are? Have you crafted that message well enough? Start with the end point in mind and then build your presentation around that. Create some outcomes around that. And do yourself a favor. Don't put in any slides at all until you've actually gotten that part of it done. And, you know, PowerPoint, if you think of the name of it, PowerPoint, it's to accentuate a powerful yeah. point. <laughs> right? Sure. And too many times you see guys with all of their messages up there on the PowerPoint slide. 
And then they read the slide, right? They just read the slide. How, how does that work for you when you see not, that? Not very well. Oh, that's, I look at this and I'm like, this, this is a great presentation. I'm being read to like uh, story time. So PowerPoint is such a problem. I mean, just, you know, when I, I told you I was with a, a gentleman yesterday and his slides were confusing him. He was actually getting on a roll. And then you may have done this before. You click on some slide you forgot you had and you're like, oops, now I got to talk about that. Right. And it totally discombobulates you. And that's why it just makes so much more sense to add your slides in once you're comfortable with what you want to say. And, and it's, okay. it's a simple thing to do. But, you know, again, very few people do it. They build their presentation around a slide deck and then they fill in talking points later. And that doesn't usually work. No, I can see how that's more fitting. So, I mean, those are just a, a few of them. And then obviously I talked about how do you end strong, but there's, you know, there's just so many components to, you know, those things that I take for granted that I think everyone knows. But the reality is what I've learned is most people don't know. Them. And, and, you know, the thing about this is, like I said, it's something that I wanted to help people that are given a presentation, whether it's Maybe they're maybe they're speaking at their friend's wedding and giving the the uh, the speech for the best man or the best the best. Uh, I don't, they don't call them the best woman; they call them the maid of honor, right? Or you're doing something for a reunion, or you're speaking at your church, or you just want to become a better communicator in general. I mean, that's what this is really designed to do: is help you gain a comfort level to feel like when you're doing that, you're hitting the mark, you're creating some impact, and you're having people leave with that kind of messaging that you want them to leave with sure no i think that holds them that last component there the the most value because we don't always unless you're tim furlong and you're on the road 200 <laughs> days a year which just still blows my mind um most of the time we're not uh, formally presenting but we we are always communicating i think that this you know what you're talking about here and some of these pointers and and i'm looking forward to checking out the uh the course what, what was that called again Present like a pro. Present like a pro. Present like a pro. Just because of the, just becoming a better communicator. I think we all could benefit from that. Mm -hmm. We communicate every day. And I think that uh, it'll help alleviate some of that intention versus impact as well. (laughs) We can communicate better. That's the goal, right? That's the goal. So normally this is the point in time where I ask you what you're working on now and what has you really excited. But I'm going (laughs) to guess it's the present like a pro program, right? It is. Uh, You know, it's something that I've been working on for a while now and I'm ready to kind of launch into the world. And, you know, my goal that I've had for myself, I set for myself several years ago is I wanted to impact the lives of 1 million people. Right. And I know that that comes from when I was in a band, I always wanted to sell a million records and go platinum. (laughs) So the, 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 the only way for me to do that is to develop some online training products and some online coaching that I think, you know, can impact people just outside of me having a one-on-one discussion with you or you visiting my event. And I'm excited about that. And I do have virtual coaching programs that let me do that. This is a, a kind of a newer program that I'm really excited about because I think, and I think a lot of people will benefit from yeah. it. I'm pretty excited about it. Awesome. Do you have a uh, idea when that'll be available? I'm, I, I would love to have that launched here this summer, right? And that's okay. a big goal of mine. We're filming some of the segments right now and let's like to get that launched this summer. Exciting. Stay tuned. So summer 2017. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. If we link to your website and the show show notes for the podcast here, then they'll be on the lookout for that through your website. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, on that website, I publish a quarter turn article twice a month and those are free and there's free coaching on there for you. It's just things to get you engaged and things to move you down the path that you want to go and whatever that path may be. Work, non-work, doesn't matter to me. Awesome. And and what's the URL for your website? It's uh, www.myquarterturns.com. Good, good stuff. Hey, Tim, if you had one piece of parting advice for our listening audience, what would that be? Well, I I think, you know, a a lot of the things I talk about and I coach people on are, are things that you probably know inherently. You just haven't been practicing. And, you know, what I've learned is that it's easy to get discouraged and get frustrated and say, well, you know, that's not going to work for me or, you know, that, that must be only, only that person could do it. I've tried that stuff before. I hear that all the time. You know, I tried that or I did that or it didn't work. And, you know, the reality of it is people that are successful that you admire that have done things that you are excited about that you think, man, that person got it. They didn't get it perfect the first time. They didn't, they didn't just, you know, do it and everything worked out perfectly. They tried and screwed it up, right? The only reason I'm able to, you know, put out a, a product like Present Like a Pro is I've made every mistake you can make in front of people. And and so, you know, the hardest part is controlling that conversation with yourself and sitting down and saying, what do I want? What do I want to do? And then getting over that internal objection you have that says you can do it. Because once you shift that mindset and yeah. hey, this is something that I can do and I know I can do it and maybe it's not going to go perfectly, but that's not the goal here. You know, we're not in this for perfection. Right. We're in this to have some results. And, you know, I, I coach that a lot with people in the workplace. You're not paid for perfection either. You're paid for results. And if you can get a good result and you like it and it feels like it's easy for you to do, then keep doing it. And it takes a little time, but it doesn't take years and years and years it can take very quickly once you make that decision. So I guess the the biggest message there that I have is don't get discouraged when it doesn't work out the first time. Stop, evaluate, learn the lesson, and make, as I call, one quarter turn to your approach and see if you can get a better result the next time. Love it. Go out and start making your quarter turns, right? It's the name of the game. I'm still, <laughs> I still got plenty more to make myself. One quarter turn at a time. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Hey, Neon Noise Nation. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Tim. Be sure to go over and check out his website at www.myquarterturns.com. Tim, thanks again for being on the show today. Lots of valuable information. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. You guys got some good stuff out here. Appreciate that. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Perfect. All right, guys. The show notes will be available today at neongoldfish.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, this is Justin, Ken, and Tim signing off. Neon Noise Nation, we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Neon Noise Podcast. Did you enjoy the podcast? If so, please subscribe, share with a friend, or write a review. We want to cover the topics you want to hear. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like Justin and Ken to cover, connect with us on Twitter at Neon Goldfish or through our website at neongoldfish.com.